Welcome to Mummy and Daddy, the podcast where we discuss horror movies featuring children because parenting can sometimes be scary and kids are definitely creepy. Hi, I'm Carol and I'm Mummy. I'm Josh and I'm Diddy. Uh, we're the parents of two human boys uh, who for the sake of privacy, we're going to call Wu. He's three and Boo and he's one and a half. We also have uh, two adult cats who are second-class citizens with no right to privacy, who we will call by their Christian names, Monstro and Neptune. Uh, you may hear them throughout the program. So first up, a couple things. Yeah. First episode, let's talk. Yeah. First, just want to say that we are going to be watching one horror movie featuring children and talking about it on the episode, but those movies are all going to be supernatural, gory, suspense-driven horror movies that are not about real violence with children. That's not why we're here. Yeah, I think that's a. this may be personal to us, but we're not interested in overt violence against children. You might not agree with that, in which case maybe not the podcast for you. There's also... A- There's probably, a, unfortunately, that podcast... Yeah, it's probably a few. So we didn't look. Goodbye to you folks. Yeah. Um This is just about supernatural scary movies. Yeah. We also don't like home invasion movies. That's a thing. So oh my gosh. But you we'll know try what? to avoid them. We some of these we don't really know what we're gonna see. Sometimes I you know, it just happened to me, but I won't even get into it because you haven't seen that movie. Maybe yet. we will on this podcast. Okay, so um there's that. I'm talking yeah. about just that for a second and also that quite obviously there will be spoilers of every kind oh we're gonna talk about these movies (laughs) we're gonna talk about them okay yeah that's true uh but we'll also try to do you the service of telling you what will be in our next episode um at the end of each episode and on social media so if you want to follow along at home you'll have an opportunity to watch those movies uh you'll know what that next movie is and you can watch it along with us Let's read a recap. Oh, do you mind if I say? And I'll jump right into this recap. Go ahead. Well, why don't you tell us what we're watching? You pick this one, I think. So we watched the or 1989 Pet Cemetery. Yes. Filmed by the not famous music video director, Mary Lambert, with screenplay by... Stephen King. The master of horror. <laughs> what a... What Based a on the book. Also by Stephen King. <laughs> Um, this is what we call about the movie and it's from iTunes. Um, Dr. Lewis Creed having just moved to Maine, yawn Stephen King with his wife and two children is heartbroken when he finds that his daughter's beloved cat has been hit by a truck and killed. Thankfully, a strange elderly neighbor called Judd knows a secret that may spare the young girl's tears. He takes the dead cat to an ancient Indian burial ground that he that lies hidden in the surrounding hilltops. And when he buries the feline there, it comes back to life a few days later. But Lewis can't be trusted with a secret. And despite strong warnings that something horrible will happen, he uses the power of the burial ground to bring his son back from the dead. After the child is killed the same way the family cat was. Wow, that's so that's an interesting recap. It is because it specifically talks about the dad being distraught and then says, "Well, don't worry, I can make your daughter stop crying about this." Right. Um however, that I guess that moment's neither here nor there. Recaps are always strange. I could really probably just read recaps. Yeah, there. <laughs> yes. It's probably also that podcast. Um, but it's essential. We have to read a recap just to get um just kind of get the main points out there because now we're just going to be talking in depth about the certain scenes from this film and how they relate to parenting. We're going to talk about some parenting advice we have for um, Lewis and Rachel. And we don't have any, um, we don't have anything that we've learned from this movie as far as good parenting, but maybe in other movies we will. Yeah doesn't seem like a big point but 
mostly we're going to have parenting advice uh, for these parents and um, some, uh, you know, just general tips. Yeah, I think that's about right. There's a, you know, there's, we'll try to shine a light when there's some nice parenting moments in the film, when and if we can. But that's not going to be every (laughs) moment or every day. So, yeah, this one opens up. It opens pretty strong. There's, uh, There's creepy kids right out of the gate. That was my first thing. There's a creepy kids chorus. And I was really hoping we'd hear more of that musically throughout the film. But we did not. We just didn't. <laughs> it makes you wonder if someone else did the score, like the uh, the opening theme, and then decided, like, no, nah, I'm gonna. Hmm. Someone else scoop swooped in there for the uh, underscore for that film. But um, that that right out the gate, then coupled with the uh, little pan over the pet cemetery itself, we got to see it really early on, which is very nice. But it also included one of my least favorite Stephen King types of things, which is. Uh, I don't know. He likes weird, like, um, limericks and like <laughs> rhymes. And he thinks everyone talks like, um, a little rascal or Wolfman yeah. Jack. That's Which kind of his, like, maybe in Maine they do. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say no. We got friends from Maine. I've got family from Maine. Oh, you're telling me, Carol's giving me a look right now, <laughs> that maybe my family. All sounds like a combination of <laughs> Little Rascals and Wolfman Jack. <laughs> it's possible, and I just don't hear it anymore. That's what you're saying to me? Okay, fine. All Fair. right, well, so we'll goes. save that for another time. You're right. It was. It's just. It's just silly. It's one. Yeah. It's the thing about Stephen King. He's obviously a master. He's a disaster. He. <laughs> is, he's wonderful, but he's also. It's just silly sometimes, you know. And that pet cemetery, some that those headstones were like so perfectly silly, Stephen King. Or it just true. doesn't play. Like again, there there's a lot of things in this movie that just don't play in a movie where in, in a book it's wonderful. Like in a book it's fine. But when you Have you see read the it, book? No, I'm just saying like it probably I haven't read this book. I've read a lot of Stephen King. Um and I love it. But it's like Sometimes it just doesn't translate. That's true. I uh, There are I a couple just, of things in the movie that just don't translate. But you, if you imagine them in a book, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure that was really maybe compelling. They were like chapter lead ins or mm-hmm. maybe 75 percent of the book. It's more like a joke book. It's, <laughs> it's 101 dead pet limericks is the first couple chapters. Oh, so you read it. I think so. If any <laughs> listeners out there have access to a public library or you're staying at a vacation house somewhere and there's a copy of Pet Cemetery nearby, if you could page through it and let us know what you see. Otherwise, we'll never know. Yep. Okay, so strong opening credits, but then we begin. So the 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 family arrives mm-hmm. at their new house. They're moved from Chicago. Dr. Lewis Creed has just accepted this position at the university to be the the head doctor, doctor. <laughs> and doctor he seems patients. like just such a competent guy. I would trust him. He is a absolutely not dead eyed hunk, and he has no. <laughs> he's like, a just for men hair ad. Absolutely, he is. He looks like he's from a soap opera. Did you look and see where he's been? Uh I did, but I forget, and I don't think it was interesting. General Hospital. <laughs> That's where it's a medical school. So he did his residency. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So so they pull up to the house that the wife has not seen. Has not seen. And Josh, just, you had a real strong reaction to this at the time. I do. I, I The idea of like, who's buying houses without their spouses? I want to know if like. She's like, it's wonderful. And he's like, was she or doesn't she like? No, she loves, loves it. it. Having a great time. I just but feel like. you can tell she's just, it's sight unseen. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's probably how things were done before late the 80s. internet. Late 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just move and like he maybe scouted it out and you just buy the house, you know? Yeah. And luckily this isn't a haunted house that we know of. Like that's what usually happens it in these is- movies. And it is way nicer than the only other house in the neighborhood, the one across the street. 
is the only other house you see in this movie. And that place is a dump. And this place actually is, it does look nice. It's not one of those, uh, you know, movies you see, or houses you see on cheap old houses. Yeah, that's nice. That looks like ghosts yeah. actively live in it. Um, the anyway, only they're just un- problem oh, boy, is oh that they live on a street that is not just busy. It is full all the time of evil, fast tanker trucks. Only trucks. Only tanker trucks. Only yeah, I think, semis. I think, yeah. I don't think you see another car go by. So, I don't even know if they have a car. I could, oh, they have a station wagon. They right. arrived in it. <laughs> this was actually dominating my thoughts at the time. It's like, are we depriving our children of the childhood they deserve by not having a wood paneled station wagon? That's true. And rear facing seats. <laughs> which I assume were in that Capri Classic or whatever it was they were driving. That's right. Uh, yes. The answer is yes, we yeah. are. They get. So they get their kids out of the car. They have a child who's like six. We're going to call her Francine because she looks like <laughs> Francine from the Arthur comic uh, yeah. cartoon. And then they get little Gage out. Shots fired at the six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's fine. And then Gage, who we know. Francine they... is an adorable little art fark. It's whatever, Josh. That's hey, true. That's, that's your take. And this human is as... <laughs> close to anthropomorphizing that cartoon as you could possibly get yeah. if uh yeah she's like the sonic the hedgehog movie sonic but a human francine uh, um if the okay so then they get gauge out of out we'll of call his... gauge because they constantly yell gauge right and he's about two mm-hmm. and uh they get him out of his absolutely unsafe car seat oh my god that car seat <laughs> it, so can you describe it for us please <laughs> Well, you had said that it looked like some sort of like roller coaster ride uh, yeah. with foam padding. Like it, it was just so, um, you know, we're used to a certain level of intensity with the car seats at this point. And well, yes, and they have the smart idea of like the intention seems to be behind any modern car seat that you have a five-point harness that restrains your child firmly to the back of the seat, knowing that in most accidents, what's going to happen is your child will fly forward. So the the goal is to hold them back as much as possible. The goal of this car seat seems to be to uh, allow your child... Just have a cup tray, I think. Have, have a good place, a padded spot to rest your elbows <laughs> and slam your face into it full <laughs> force as if you're on like the Thunderbolt yeah. or some cyclone or some other wooden roller coaster. Of it's your. amazing that they had even the notion to put a child in a car seat like this without like any kind of restraint it makes it's no probably sense. like because he's a doctor my guess is most people did not put their kids in car seats at two in 1989 i don't know they're already we out. really gotta yeah i don't know i would love to see the timeline you of put car the, seats you just put the uh shoulder harness behind you if it's getting too uncomfortable right, right. if it's cutting off the yeah. air to your, <laughs> that was yeah that was you our just childhood behind you yeah you double buckle with your sister mm-hmm. you do that um so if they finally get out of the car gauges uh he, the Francine immediately runs over to a tire swing. Good, again, strong parenting moves. You don't need to check it. Don't look around. No. No, uh, no don't even wander the yard together. She runs to the tire swing. Gage poking around behind the open trunk of the, of the car and just poking at the cat inside. Okay, so the cat oh. is... A beautiful smoky gray, a gorgeous um, cat that is named Winston Churchill, and they call him Church for short. Um, and Church is in the most beautifully designed car, uh, cat carrier I've ever seen. Oh it, yes, it's the James Bond's cat carrier, yeah. without a doubt. It's in complete contrast with the car seat; makes no sense. Gage is playing with uh, with Church. And the parents, um, I think they're just like poking around too until Francine falls off of the completely dangerous tire swing. The rope breaks. She falls on the ground. Both parents run over to Francine. And I'm just going to say, where are the parents? Where are the parents? Because Gage is now alone. Is alone and as most two-year-old boys are. Sorry to generalize. It is just the truth. 
fascinated by trucks. And here one comes. So who's running straight to the road, but gauge full speed? Yeah. Thankfully, here comes the neighbor, played by none other than Herman Munster. <laughs> His given name also. Uh, Is that, it's, you know, it's Herman Munster. It's Herman Munster. He will always be Herman Munster. A weird, this was maybe supposed to be his moment, like um, Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love or something mm-hmm. is making mm-hmm. his dramatic turn yep. um, from horror comedies to horror dramas. And this was it. But he looks like a Herman pivot. Munster. It's, it's just a, a pivot. strong pivot. And he uh, adopted along with it uh Ted Kennedy's voice. <laughs> it was the weirdest main accent, the most over the top. Like you went to one, uh, you listened to like one audio cassette on learning how to do accents. And yeah. Then I mean, most like, people watching this will not watch out for the road. <laughs> will not even understand what accent. The other thing is he has, he has this hearing aid on the whole time. So I feel like if I were watching this and I didn't know what a main accent was, I would just think that he was hard of hearing. Oh, that's interesting. prominent in so Very. many scenes, which I'm fine with. But I was like, is that, were they doing that because they knew that his accent was so bad that they were like, we got to figure out a way to like make this. I don't know. That's a side note. Oh. But we found this particularly funny because Josh's family, his dad's side is from Maine, as mentioned. So we are familiar with the accent. Yes. And we live in California where children don't have any contact with the side of the family, really, um, on a daily basis. No. Anybody who actually has the accent. But our child, Wu, the older one, has weird... He's got a touch of it. A touch of it. He'll say things like, Showa. Showa. Go over here. <laughs> a little of that. It's adorable. Adorable, uh, as uh, he might say. <laughs> uh, it's very true. Yeah, but it's so, really... Something I did like about this, like Reddit, I will say, again, out of the gate of that Capri classic, is these kids are genuinely little. I think that was like a thing I appreciated from the jump is they didn't try to like where a lot of films will cast, you know, someone who's obviously a teenager and be like, pretend you're a dumb kid, like sucking your thumb. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was going to I was going to get into this earlier. I mean, I was going to get into this later or earlier, whenever um, that Gage has like. It's incredible the acting that he's doing because he is such a young child. Like he was 27 months old when they filmed this. And and maybe that was like when they were done. Like maybe when the movie came out, I just – because he even seems younger than 27 months Mm -hmm. now just having such a fresh um, perspective with that. Right in between where we're at. Yeah, yeah. But he does so well and he even – you know, he's just doing things like, uh-oh, and shh, you know, like things that, those really early verbal things that I was totally impressed by Gage. He's amazing. Yeah, because if he was channeling his younger self, I think it'd be really hard for a kid developmentally at 27 months. He'd probably just want to talk because he could say more complex things, as I think we'll get to. But um, right. it, it was just like, I had to say, it was like, at least made it more impressive from from the jump and and more terrifying when he runs out into that street and is narrowly missed by that giant truck. Mm-hmm. So later in the film. So that that first scene, right off the bat, we're seeing some incredibly negligent parents. Yeah, and the fact they both run over, the husband's a doctor. The mother who should have been played by Maria Bamford is a uh she I maybe it's just a stay at home mom. She uh just solid um Mm. (laughs) she is a stay-at-home mother she's uh but why would not just one of them who clearly are both used to dealing with kids but maybe the doctor in face of the injury would run over to the daughter and the mother would stay with her very young son and keep an eye on him in case the daughter was injured by what was probably a truck tire from one of these deadly trucks Ooh, maybe it's a trophy that the house took Never thought about that, listeners. It was definitely a truck tire. That it was this giant, giant tire. Okay, so also she falls. The truck tire falls. She's fine. She's whining. Like you know, as a parent, when your kid is actually hurt. But whatever. I mean, now Mm. I'm just getting my white wig and gavel out here with these parents. But (laughs) well, maybe Francine is a terrible actress, and (laughs) 
God, just doesn't good. have the skills that Gage has. She actually did great too. I thought there's okay. So, so I mean, truck safety. The, this theme that's so central to this movie it comes out right out of the gate. Um, fast, fast out of the gate of the nearby truck depot. Uh, truck, maybe it's a way station. We don't know. They're not. They don't look like they're near a highway. It's on some rural main road truck route, and it is just they're they're whizzing by. Uh, but immediately, what happens after that, right? Is we've we've got Herman Munster comes across. He says, he almost let me show you killed. the pet let cemetery. Let me show you the pet cemetery. <laughs> this is my horrible main accent. Uh-huh. No, that's it. And um, it's pretty eerie like, hearing you say that. Pretty soon after this, he just like they take a little field trip down a very well marked path to the pet cemetery, and Maria Bamford puts Gage in a like a hiking backpack. Or maybe he's on the dad. He's on the dad. Yeah, he's on the dad's shoulders. Um, also, really funny piece of equipment dated. Um, oh, yeah. Again, why even bother? Like, why not just like tie a sheet to your back and yeah. string up the child as best you can? Because it was totally useless and so strange. It looks like an aluminum halo laundry basket. That's on the, what it ba- did. on yeah. the back of this dad with a kid thrown into the back of it. Maybe that's what it was. Oh. Interesting point. They could have just been in travel laundry basket. So they get yeah. down to the Francine to, just skipping down to the, the pet cemetery. Down this beautiful path. I mean, mm-hmm. so I mean, great set design, but also like people in Maine, you're really enjoying some beautiful rock gardens and sculptures, mm-hmm. and I hope you appreciate them. They get down there and Herman Munster immediately reveals that all these pets are all like most of them are the victims of of the trucks. They're not just like neighborhood kids, as we determine there are no neighbors. Um, and they're just, and that like, but they immediately, he immediately starts talking about death. And I believe Francine asks, what if like, what are we going to do? Is like something going to happen at church? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, Oh yeah, and eventually. Then, yeah. He's like, yep. And here's where you can bury him in this handy dandy pet cemetery right behind your house. If that's not convenient, I don't know what is <laughs> like, what a what a trove of hit town history and anyway the mom Maria Bamford as we're calling her just gets so mad at Herman Munster for bringing up death and he's like you gotta learn about death sometimes and she's like no you don't yeah maybe and even says why that was why and scoops up Gage out of the the laundry basket and like holds him close. Very, very um, intense reaction to death and all things death. Mm-hmm. So the mom has got some issues. And she's in for it. She's in for it. But so you have this this early warning sign of her like emotional um, illiteracy, really. Yeah. Um, okay. So then we are back at the house and... Per Herman Munster's warnings or like advice, they are going to take church to get neutered. And he is in the beautiful oh, yes. cat carrier again. Yes, Herman Munster says, less likely to wander. Yeah. Creep. Yeah. It's a creepy thing where he yeah. just, it was like with a wink to yeah. Dr. Gage. Just well, like, I mean, he should know. have been more creepy. Whatever. He it's really true. wasn't. He was just nice. Not a lot of villains in this movie in a weird way. <laughs> Um, but like weirdly, a lot of like parenting fears and anxieties yeah. ever present for especially two like uh, emotionally detached or one emotionally detached parent and one like uh, yeah emotionally uh, emotionally illiterate parent, as you said about yeah both of them for sure. Yeah. So let's just talk about this scene for a second and what happens. They're seated at the breakfast table talking about this surgery, Francine voices some concerns about what's going to happen with the cat and she asks if if like if he's going to be okay like what what will happen when if he or like whatever the concern she voices is he's going to go get his nuts chopped off oh right asterisk put a bookmark in that one go on yeah she says that and the dad kind of stumbles around an answer and the mom like whips around and stumbles around an answer about about what's gonna what if something happens to him and the mom whips around and says, don't shilly shally. Like, mm. don't, what she meant by that was, 
just tell her it's going to be okay. And he gets like really irate and he does say it's going to be okay. But then as he's leaving, totally within earshot of the children still, he's like, if things don't go okay, you're going to be the one to tell him. And just like has this really angry moment with the mom. And so there's a lot to unpack in that scene. Is that also where he gives the explanation of death or is that later? No, that's later. That's later. Okay. Well, yeah, so I mean, can we just talk about that now? Because I think it's all part of the no, same. No, we're going to talk about it in order. Because it's Okay. Yeah. There's, but, but like, okay, go ahead. So what do you want to unpack about this one? They, it's, it's setting up how these people are just so afraid of their children's emotions. So this is the point that we wanted to get to here is that a lot of heartache probably could have been avoided deaths even if they were willing to openly talk to their kid about what might happen to their pet what might what her feelings are yeah we got to kind of jump ahead to talk about this too because really when herman munster when eventually should we just talk about the next scene? Cause I think there's that. And then we can jump back to this is like once they, they uh, really like the next kind of major thing is them going, the family goes away for, th- Oh shoot. There is one other thing I want to talk mm-hmm. about. More. All right. I'm sorry. All right. Fine, 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 fine. It's easier. Sorry. It's it, just, it's... All right. Let's do it. We'll come back to this. Because the dad walks out of the house having this angry um, interaction with his wife and like totally weird, you know, I just think about what Francine must be thinking after that. That's true. He then does have a great interaction. His best moment in parenting <laughs> is when his interaction with Missy, the maid who will eventually succumb to stomach cancer as a plot device to be able to have the conversation about death, right? Mm-hmm. Is that um, she She is the one who apparently introduced the phrase, uh, get your nuts chopped off to Francine's vocabulary. And he says exactly that. He's like, thanks, you know, passive aggressively, sarcastically says, thanks for introducing that phrase to my daughter's vocabulary, which I actually appreciated as a parent to be able to have this moment of like, hey, I'm, I I don't, I'm not going to, I need to tell you this plainly, but at the same time, like, I'm trying not to be a dick about it, Mm -hmm. but like, I really wish you hadn't said that to my Mm six-year-old because up until then, she didn't know about anybody's nuts, and here you are. And Right, so this is what I mean. There are going to be some things in these movies where we do have lessons that we learn yeah. from the parents. And I guess this is one of them because so many times in parenting, you are confronted with these weird situations where like, somebody might say something to your kid or that you don't like or whatever, and being direct about it. I mean, he is still a dick... And I think that's okay. Like you, he's direct and I mean, I guess you have to like know the audience, but she takes it in stride and is just like, well, I don't remember what she said. Yeah. Says, she kind of shrugs like, it off I- anyway. She can give a shit. She's dying. Uh, he offers her free medical help and she turns him down. It'll uh, pass. And yeah, her stomach cramp it doesn't. It doesn't. Or I, mm, she hangs herself from the pain. Oh, so you're saying in death it passes? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it does. It it doesn't pass. No, it doesn't. She passes. She passes. But like, yeah. yeah I mean, so I think that's good, something good I struggle with. Good I wish him. I was better about just like being more direct when someone says something. I wish was like not in our children's vocabulary or not something I I wish mm-hmm. they were saying or something else. Perfect example is at. Our preschool, mm-hmm. one of the teachers calls Woo a nickname. Oh, yes. And I don't like it. And I have struggled with um, asking her to stop when really the first time I heard it, I should have said, oh, no, don't do that at all. Stop. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. You know, just be direct. Yeah. Please don't introduce that into my vocabulary. I'm only going to put everything into this turn of phrase. <laughs> That's the only thing I took away from it. I was like, I like that. That's a good turn of phrase. Now, after this all happens, lots of other things happen, but let's get to the Thanksgiving trip. The Thanksgiving trip. The parents, they're from Chicago. 
they're going back to uh, Maria Bamford's parents' house in Chicago uh, over Thanksgiving weekend. Dr. Gage opts to stay at home alone because apparently the in-laws don't like him, which is a bullshit excuse. Total for not bullshit. Traveling together, Francine even says, or maybe she's maybe Maria Bamford says it's a it's a family holiday. They're upset about him staying home. He's like, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. He's gonna stay at the at the house and at the college, which by the way is on break. So he's just bumming around the house, presumably. Mm-hmm. And they they do leave. And and this gets us to another I mean, it's really a marriage thing, but especially if you have children, you have got to just embrace and get down with your in-laws. Like you have got to face those things yeah. head on. You cannot be And so do they. You cannot shilly shally. I don't still oh, don't yes. know what she meant by that, but I'm gonna use it for many different things now. Um, don't shilly shally and just get your ass to Chicago. And have Thanksgiving because you're never going to improve that relationship with your father-in-law if you don't spend the time, put in the time, put in the effort. Be be a man, Lewis. And also, bad example for your kids by saying, like, no, no, it's okay. I can just avoid my problems. Right. I'll just avoid my problems. I'm not part of this family. Yeah. You guys go deal with that. It's not my dad. You know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really set up this great, this great thing. And it comes back again to haunt these guys later. So instead he's at home alone with a cat. Uh, and of course the cat gets hit by a truck. And like truly, of course, because that's what happens yeah. in, to every pet. Tiny bit of folksy wisdom though, from, uh, from Herman Munster, he informs us that you definitely knew this cat was dead because when you're, when you die and you're body stops giving off heat that's the only time when the frost would stick the body of this cat to the ground they have to basically like peel it off the grass that was so unnecessary but it it allowed him the space to give this folksy wisdom so i'm gonna say warranted (laughs) as warranted as stomach cancer as plot uh but so uh, for some reason herman munster is insistent upon uh not burying the cat in the pet cemetery but instead taking it on an extremely long hike up in the mountains behind the pet cemetery over a giant bramble patch up some can cor- I just, granite quarry side and then up to a mountain. Can yes? I just say something? Go ahead. I just realized how this movie could have been so much better. How's that? Is if Judd Herman Munster mm-hmm. were played by Torgo from Manos Hands of Fate. Go on. Sure, that would have been great been played by lurch it would have been great <laughs> not lurch what anybody but herman munster um that's that's me at 2020 at pet cemetery 2019 anybody but herman munster yeah so they go on this unnecessary long walk so it seems like he's at this point a demon you don't know like why is he doing this they get up this mountainside that would have been interesting it would have he wasn't it wasn't but i digress uh they get up to this ancient what we find out is a Micmac is a Micmac Indian burial ground. Fun fact: Micmac Indians, real tribe in Canada and northeastern Maine, their penchant for haunted burial grounds less so. Um, so it's just like, yeah, way to way to go, like halfway there, Stephen King, by choosing real tribe of real people and then being like, uh, I don't know, they aren't as demons, I guess. Mm-hmm. So point is, he makes him bury it himself in i guess so he wouldn't be cursed fail there as well uh in in the middle of ancient new burial ground the next day the cat comes cat comes back very next day they thought he was a goner but he came came back came back as a demon bright yellow eyes and hissing and uh still pretty cute i have to say they did say he stank um which i assume he smelled like a corpse um, right. So let's just talk about this. Okay. The dad. Why is, did he do it? The dad is totally afraid of his children's emotions. He can't handle. He, you know, has this call with uh, Francine while they're away and just totally lies to her. Church is fine. Totally fine. I'm looking at him right now. He's fine. And, and that was also when he was gone, I think, <laughs> that like that phone call happens yeah. while the cat is buried. He's like, I'll figure it out when she gets back. Yeah. So you, as a parent, it is your job to be strong enough to handle 
your children being upset. That's what I've learned in my three long years of parenting. But it's true. It's true. And that can be really hard sometimes. And I understand like the the totally. move to avoid it. But it is also like, dude, you just you just climbed a mountain and buried your cat in a demon cemetery as opposed to a pet cemetery. But by the, and by the way, the movie's called Pet Cemetery. You got a warning from a ghost not to bury it in a pet or to only bury it in the pet cemetery. And for some reason you didn't bury it in the pet cemetery. That's bizarre. Everything well, about that is weird, a weird choice that he made fully only out of this fear of his daughter's emotions and being bullied by Herman Munster. Yeah, and he's not, he's a doctor, so it's not like he's like unfamiliar with death. Yeah. So weird. But anyway, Very. that's my the, my parenting takeaway from that scene, from letting the, letting all of this madness begin. So, got to get right to it. Shortly after this all happens, mm-hmm. the family is having a joyous picnic. Celebratory picnic with Herman Munster. As you do. And a lonely picnic table on the side of the road, apparently. And their two year old sweet baby Gage is flying this kite with his father. The father turns his back. The boy chases the kite. What's that called? The kite handle handle okay (laughs) spool the spool into the deadly path of a giant mac truck where a comically piggish truck driver listening to sheena is a punk rocker by the ramones runs over a baby that's it it happens that's what happens and so we did tell you at the top that we are not here for this sort of thing in the movies. That but we this watched. was the movie we watched. But it was. And we were sad about it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a fun horror movie moment. There was a lot um, that I learned about it afterwards when I was just reading about Stephen King's. Um, writing the book? Writing the book. Like mm-hmm. he, he wrote it and he thought it was too dark being about the real death of a child. He shelved it. He had some like dispute with his. Oh, the real death as opposed to a like yeah. a witch did this or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He thought it was too dark. He shelved it. And then he had some dispute with um, like a publishing house. And they decided to release. Then like it, it got released in a, you know, in a series of other stuff. And, oh, right. Um, as a contractual fulfillment. I remember you telling me yeah. that. Yeah. And, it, you know, it turns out to be like one of his most revered tales but it is dark and it's totally off beat for stephen king you know (laughs) we were yeah just looking at each other like well this isn't what we we wanted to watch but no and i had seen it it, when i was like 10 years old mm. and i but like so i didn't remember any the only thing i remembered from it was like one death scene and it wasn't that one like Mm. which does i mean it speaks to something about this show in general which is like how much parenting Becoming a parent changes your perspective on a lot of this kind of material where I do think like it would not have affected me even five years ago as much. I wouldn't have liked it. I don't think I would have liked that moment. I would not have liked the movie. But at uh, at like 10 or something, it's just like, yeah, bad shit happens. We're watching a horror movie. This is probably the kind of stuff that's going to go down. I just didn't even think about it. Well, it's also, it's key to what happens. Like it, you know it's going to happen, mm-hmm. and you know what's going to happen. So it's it setting happens. it up the whole time, and it happens. Still pretty dark. Parenting takeaway from this scene is you have got to baby-proof your house inside and outside. Yes. There are things called fences that you can build or hire a company to build, even in the 80s fences yeah they predate even that existed. car seat. it's hard to believe um when you move to the new house and your child almost gets run over by the truck the first time and your neighbor warns you about all the trucks keep that keep killing things that wander into roads this is when you build a fence you um, plant some hedges you build a picket fence you put up some chicken wire whatever it is you gotta do <laughs> electric fence whatever electric you fence do. you put a collar around that kid you do what you need to do yeah because toddlers are fast that is that a fact boo is fast our little one oh my gosh turn around and he's across the room yeah turn and around I, and he's at the hedges that 
in our front yard that protect him from running into the street. In most of the places. <laughs> he does have a nice little shoot that you go straight out right in there, but he but mostly I'm also doesn't. Watching You're him. watching also, him. Don't turn your back. That's but... what I was going to say is I think that like, we don't know where this picnic took place. It could have been on their property. It could have been some nearby, you know, meadow. It was a, but like the point is still the same because like even especially in like strange environments, you have to baby proof. And that doesn't mean you're uh, bringing like a spool of fencing with you. You are, or, you know, like a, uh, yeah, a bindle of, <laughs> of chain link fence with you wherever you go. But it does mean like, no, it's like in their yard. You're, you're checking the grounds to make sure that it is a safe yeah. place for them to be. Because you're a parent, you're an adult and clearly Maria Bamford and Lewis have not gotten this through their heads yet. No, their lives are basically like the warning label on every piece of baby equipment or toy that you've ever bought. They did <laughs> yeah. all of the bad things right. and the worst thing happened. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that this is where Francine's question about death happens is after Gage. Oh, I thought dies. it was, but no, I mean, I think it was. But either way, it could have been about when Missy dies. It but must have been you, when Missy died because everybody's relaxed. You want to talk about that? I did. Like, I, I also thought that was pretty well handled. Dr. Gage did okay handling the question of what happens Dr. at Creed. Dr. Creed. Dr. Gage Sr., Dr. Lewis Creed did a great job. Dr. Apollo Creed did a fine job talking about death when faced with it off the cuff. And his daughter asked him, what do you think happens when you die? And he like, and he said, well, people believe a lot of things. Some people think you go to heaven or hell. Some people think you go on. And other people think you just wink out. This is where... He fails it a little bit, drops the ball a little bit, because he lets that one hang out there. Just the, you wink out, which is such a crass way of saying. So fucking dark. <laughs> you, and she says, well, what do you think? Which is obviously the question that's coming next. And he says, I think we go on. We're just like, wow, way to leave your daughter hanging on this. Again, because he's an emotionless uh, sociopath, I think. The only thing he fears is his daughter's emotions. <laughs> and his father-in-law. But like I thought that was well handled. It's a tough I mean, it's a tough question that I we haven't had to answer yet and I don't look forward to it. But it did like I mean, I don't think I'm gonna use it verbatim, but we'll see. <laughs> I might. You just wink out, kid, like a flame in the wind. Yeah, something like that. What insane. And of course the mom's not happy about any of that, really. I don't think she says anything in that moment, but is like clearly right. perturbed. You do find out Along the way, at some point, that the mom's sister was sick for years with spinal meningitis. Although, when they flash back to these horrific scenes with Zelda, her sister, it looks nothing like what spinal meningitis really is. It's like this very strange disease that this woman has, and it's a full on woman. I don't know why it's not a child. It says it's her sister, but yes, anyway, an adult woman. It's an adult woman. Possibly a, a man dressed as a woman. Like it is a, it is a monster creature. It's, it's know. totally insane. Um, totally should have been left out. Mm -hmm. But she had to take care of her sister. And eventually the sister passes away. But um, I think just because they like left her up in the bedroom or something. Like it's kind of unclear. Um, but the mom has really a really difficult past is what you learn <laughs> in short. Yeah. Um, especially in her relationship with death and and family members dying that she hasn't dealt with at all she like you gotta like, deal with that stuff you gotta yeah. talk it out and she and like he sedates her when she's talking about it she's like i don't take those drugs and then he's like tonight you do that's right yeah, and he so just strange. puts her down yeah. and then yeah rather, and apparently it was like also the first time he heard about it it was also like, it was no weird. no he he but he was kind of like oh i remember that's right he goes i remember spinal meningitis right yeah <laughs> Oh, that's such a good one. This guy's a psycho. Um, so eventually, obviously, he does the thing that you're going to do, right? Which is he's going to. Well, the, she takes the she takes Francine back to Chicago, uh -huh. and then yeah, he's left alone, and yes, of course, does what he has to do. What the film has been leading to the whole time, which is against all uh, stories and warnings from Herman Munster, buries or exhumes Gage's body and um, from the regular human cemetery mm -hmm. passes the pet cemetery and goes beyond the barrier to this beautiful landscaped wonderful rock garden 
of a Micmac burial ground. Micmac burial ground. So Gage comes back, He's... kills Herman Monster, injures the dad. The mom comes back because she can't get a hold of them. And she, uh, this is my my last point about parenting in the movie. She comes back from Chicago, Chicago in Catherine O'Hara style in Home Alone. <laughs> right. By hook or by this crook. Is basically She's just there. a just a prequel. Re, yeah. <laughs> Reimagining. Um Re-ima- yes. So she comes back in this total panic because she can't get a hold of him on the phone. I guess again, style of the times. You just can't get a hold of people on the phone, so you just fly back. She's driving, carbs break breaks down. She gets into a, a one of these Mack trucks with a um to hitch a ride, which is totally insane. And as a mother, like and just a woman alone, totally insane. She should have died in her own right there because that's crazy. But she gets into this um, truck. She comes back, and Gage kills her, and <laughs> then he sets the house on fire. And uh, presumably, yes. um, Gage is killed in the fire. And um, where it leaves off is the dad carrying the mom's body away he seems mortally wounded but not sure well jamie lannister style just keeps going he and then he reanimates her and that's how they end the movie together right uh which is like silly but who knows like how what the timeline is there anyway that's the climax of the film that's it that was totally campy and silly it was, and it was a really it was news to me that the Ramones wrote the song "Pet Cemetery" for the movie "Pet mm-hmm. Cemetery" in titles, because um, the director Mary Lambert was like good friends with Dee Dee Ramone, and she was just like, "Can you write this?" And he did it in a day. He just wrote it, which I think most Ramone songs are written that way. Yeah, that seems fair. But that makes sense. She said I was reading an interview with her, and she was like, "Yeah, it took him only a day to write it, but." Ramones tap into this simple yet really truthful thing in their songs. And I'm like, all right, I'll give you that. Like it is. It's It's true. I I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. Accurate. (laughs) Um, And you know what? It fits the movie better than some other stuff like, you know, Highway to the Danger Zone or mm -hmm. Dream Warriors from Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we'll get, oh, I wonder if we can get into any of those. All right. Well, this is this is uh, time for a rating, Josh. Oh, all right. Uh, we need to rate this movie. I'm ready. Do you have a rating system in mind? Okay. Um, out of ten evil tanker trucks. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm gonna go a medium five. Medium five evil tanker trucks is how I feel about this movie. That seems high, doesn't it? I know. It? I think I'm going with like a 2.5. Yeah. I didn't like the movie. I thought it stank. I felt the whole time I just kept thinking about like this. We didn't even talk about the ghost. It's clearly a ripoff of the friend from American Werewolf in London. Well, I mean, we're not here to like, we're just going to talk I'm mainly saying, about the kids and the parenting. There's a lot that we skipped over that was totally stupid. Oh, I know. And that's it. So like, what am I taking away from this? Not very scary. I don't like movies about the death of kids, <laughs> so uh, I don't like, and, and I just... The real, like, serious death of kids. Yeah, and I also don't like movies about, like, I don't like cancer as an unnecessary plot device. I don't, like, has a lot of things I specifically dislike in movies, and the acting was mostly horrible except for the children. Let's go with three. Okay. Just yeah, stay positive. I'm at a, a 2.5 okay. for the movie, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but just as an official rating for the kids in the movie. Mm. And it's kind of like a combo character and actor. Okay. You know, like how they did. Scariness? Yeah. Like how were, like, how would you rate these kids as far as creepy kids, Mm. like scary kids? Okay. Uh, I will give them, uh, six uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man hats that Lil Gage is wearing in the creepiest moment of the movie. Oh, my God. Um, How many Stay Puft Marshmallow Man hats that Gage is wearing in the creepiest <laughs> moment of the movie would you would you give them? I thought it was that, like, like top hat, like bowler hat. Oh, it was. Yeah. I just had it in my head. So, it's from the painting at the top mm-hmm. of the stairs. Which the painting... Um, how many in, creepy paintings would you give these? How many Victorian creepy paintings at the top of the stairs would you give these kids? 
I'm going to give them a seven overall I, a seven because even though francine was like annoying she oh, had a lot so. of crazy moments of like having dreams and she she sold it like i thought so too i i appreciate i thought she was great i thought they were both really good and like engaged. i said i appreciated their like them yeah. doing this at that age and it felt really true to the ages of the of the characters so yes. actually decent job writing those kids stephen king or yeah. directing them mary lambert or both that was like actually pretty impressive. I was very impressed with how Gage was able to pull off the ending of killing all the people, like, and just getting him to, because he, there was a lot of creepy laughter and not a ton of like him acting. Like they did a lot mm-hmm. off screen, but what they did show, I was really impressed. Like he, at one point, like kind of does a throat rip, uh, throat bite. A throat bite mm-hmm. with Herman Munster, and I was like, "Wow, that's amazing!" I'm just trying to picture like my own child being able to do that, and there's just no way he no, would be able to. Maybe Patrick Swayze in so Roadhouse with like fake blood everywhere. Like, what you have to do to get a kid to like sell that—that's insane. Yeah. Like our kids don't even like certain foods. Like, how could you be like bite this guy's neck? <laughs> and yeah, all right, and we have to reset and you have to do it again. Yeah, he's he was great. So yeah, seven because I mean that's true. They were Shit, also maybe even higher. They weren't particularly scary except in that <clears throat> outfit. But it was they were they were great. Yeah, I was okay, never cool. scared once. But hey, um, okay. So I a, yeah, I have a question for you. So you had never seen uh, these. You'd never seen either any pet cemetery movie before right this is my first pet cemetery i mean it's also my first pet cemetery but it's only my second viewing of same pet cemetery do you have an idea for what pet cemetery 2 is or should be okay so this is the segment called the sequel pitch but i feel as though you should go first on this because okay. um i read oh well i i read what pet cemetery 2 is about um, just okay. a brief synopsis. And I kind of remember that one. I don't remember watching it, but I remember really wanting to as a child because Eddie Furlong was in it. Mm. And, um, you know, childhood Oh wow. crush there. He well, was, I didn't know that. He was wonderful. But I don't think it's I ever did boy. see it. But I do know what it's about. And I also, in that interview with Mary Lambert um, that she did recently in coming, um, I think it was the... Did it recently? Yeah, because oh, the, like the 30th there was a 30th anniversary and the new one coming out. Right. Yeah, they released like a like Blu-ray, you know, high whatever. Sure, a 4K Yeah, I'm like, ultra was disc. that really necessary? Is that even a disc? <laughs> I don't know. Um, The disc that is not a disc. So <laughs> I, but I also read what she would have done in the sequel so oh, okay. i feel like so you, you have a pretty solid answer but for I have, this question but i have my own thing but i want you to go first on the sequel pitch okay well i guess i have to include eddie furlong now but i mean i think that it's a it's a um what do you call that like a a flash forward they've cut forward in time uh francine well, the sequel could take place the next day, right? It could be, but it is not the immediate aftermath of Pet Cemetery. It's what's happened. Uh, we're twenty-five years later, okay. and Francine Ellie, I think, is maybe her real name. Ellie is a, a character name. Is is a vet, and she is her whole entire family is dead or estranged. I'm she's, nodding enthusiastically. She's back in Chicago. She stayed there. Mm. Maybe she meets Eddie Furlong. He's a um, no good pizza delivery guy, but he keeps kind of like coming by the office. And uh, he was younger than that. Okay, Just he's like a baby. Then <laughs> like it was 1992. He's her son. Okay, Eddie Furlong plays her son. There you go. He's a he's a bad baby, um, <laughs> and he rides a tiny motorcycle around. Okay. Um, and no, and that's and it. The pet cemetery thing. She doesn't. She doesn't. She tried to repress all of it because she wasn't there for any of it, um, and her scientific mind is not allowing her to see it. And but she ends up in maybe going back. Something is drawing her back to Maine, but she does end up having right. to go back there. And well, I like uh, that. you know why? Because she fundamentally believes that you go on. That's right. Oh, 
She tries to think that you can wink out, but right. in her heart, she believes you go on. Right. So that is sort of what Mary Lambert was talking about doing in the sequel. That uh, she that's didn't a good idea, do, Mary. Because she, she directed the, the actual sequel, but they talk about in this interview how like following Francine, <laughs> Ellie. Mm-hmm. Um, following Francine Because is she wasn't there. She has no idea what happened to her parents mm-hmm. or her brother. Like, I mean, well. Oh, fuck. That's harsh. She wouldn't know anything happened to her brother. Yeah. So I think that's really compelling. Okay. And so does the director. Thank you both. And I have no idea what the remake is about. It looks like it's pretty different. Mm-hmm. But my idea, this is already going a little astray, but I want a prequel. I'm always in for a prequel. I want Herman Munster's yeah. prequel with his weird dog and that weird friend that Ooh. came back to life. And he's always talking about in each step of telling, um, trying to tell Dr. Lewis Creed not to do the thing he's about to do. It's always some weird flashback, but I think there's more to it. I like that. Thank you. Is And it's like in the 1800s because he's 1,000 years old. Does he play himself in young makeup? <laughs> Just, he's kneeling with a... Shoes out his knees. Pancake makeup and he's wearing the little uh, little Lord Fauntleroy uh, yeah. Stape of Marshmallow oh, yeah. Man hat. And it's actually him in the painting. <gasps> okay. He sleeps in the painting every night. He All did right. that as a boy. So, we have got to wrap it up. Let's wrap but it up. Let's real let's real quick mm. do our segment interview with a vampire. Okay, great. I'm in. Where we ask each other a question about parenting mm-hmm. inspired by this film. Okay. Do you want me to go first again? Sure. Okay. I have uh, Oh, this is all like uh new. It's a new question. We have never we haven't talked about this before. I know. I meant I went first in the other segment. Do you want me to go first now? I know what you're saying. I'm just, what I'm saying is I'm telling our audience, this is a new question. Like, this is a new thing. I have not heard what this question is from you. No. And we hadn't heard each other's sequel pitches. This is yeah. all very fresh. We keep it fresh. We're all about freshness here at Mummy and Daddy Pod. Um, okay. I did write this down ahead of time, though, unlike the other ones. So everyone knows that Pet Cemetery is misspelled. It's famously misspelled yep. Pet Cemetery with an S and whatever. It's stupid. Okay. Uh, if your child painted a big sign that misspelled the word cemetery and that it became this place that for that everyone would come and dump their dead animal corpses and it was maybe it was even in your backyard. Um, and they're would, smart enough to write limericks. Go ahead. Yes. Would you change the sign? Or would you allow it and even encourage it to stand that way for generations? 1,000, 1,000 million percent, I would change the sign. I would have my child redo the sign. Would you have them redo it when it was age appropriate for them to redo it? Or would you just no, change it No, I would immediately, immediately tell him. You spelled it wrong. That it's incorrect. <laughs> because I'm not afraid of my child's emotions. And they need to know that I care enough about them to not that let them embarrass themselves mm. i it's amazing that you ans- you asked me this question because having not never seen the the movie i was like why why is it s why is it this is so silly like yep. i never really got it and i never cared enough to like look it up and it really bothers me i think it's stupid mm-hmm. it's i agree beyond stephen king silly it implies that kids are dumb in a way that I don't appreciate. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Okay, my question. Okay. Our wonderful obese cats. Oh yes, they're very ha- heavy and fat. Um, Hat, as I say. We've had we've had a wonderful uh, ten years with them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes not wonderful. They can be. Um, it was tough. They, it, they're tough. With babies, they are tough. They do not like, they're nocturnal yeah. animals. Cats. As many parents will know um, and understand, your pets can take a back seat um, for a period of time when you have children. And maybe it's a day, maybe it's years, but it's hard. Um, our cats are healthy right now, but mm, boy. if one or both of them, were hit 
by an evil Mack truck. Yes. Tomorrow. Okay. How would you talk about it with Woo? And Boo. Oh my I mean, God. It's like you asked me if I'd bury them in a pet cemetery. <laughs> no, I just want to know what you, what you got up your sleeve because I, if anything, because I, these are my first pets and I've never experienced this. And I also, therefore, have no idea what I will say to our children. Yeah. I didn't realize you were going to ask me a joke question. So this I is mean, a it's a serious question. question. It was a serious question because I don't know what I would do. I, I don't back to pet cemetery for a second. I don't, I'm not sure if I right away my, the line with it and why I asked it about like, would you allow it to stand for generations? I feel like I would encourage them to fix it when they knew how to spell it correctly. I wouldn't say just repaint it and let's keep this going. I think mm. that's crazy. I think that like if you got it together to paint a sign, but like you can't spell, that's pretty impressive. No, I think. if you got it together to write it down in a notebook, then fine. If you got it together to paint a sign, you need to do it correctly. Okay. Anyway, well, back see, to... that's the thing. I'm not sure. That's why don't I asked. Dance around I don't know this I... pet death question. But so pet death. Okay, car. A well, there are trucks in our neighborhood. If a big truck came by and squashed one of our cats, what would I say? To woo. Cat is dead, right? There's no chance of its coming back without supernatural intervention. I'm in not this. asking if you would bury it in a um, McMack burial Okay, ground. so I can't get away with that. Okay. <laughs> um, if I thought you said Big Mac burial ground, <laughs> I'm super confused. Big Mac That's burial down ground. at the corner. Um, there was a, what would I say? I, I guess then we would have to talk about it. I would have, unfortunately, the only... The only close enough analogy that he would know that's true to life is squashing bugs because he does understand that when bugs get squashed, they they don't come back. But he also knows there are lots of bugs and he has no emotional connection to those bugs. Mm -hmm. But I think I would have to put it in those in those terms to say that he and I think I would have to just put it in terms of finality and safety to further reinforce how we why we talk about looking both ways when you cross the street or holding hands when you cross the street or getting off your scooter when you're going across the street. And like why we're asking to do this is about that. It is about safety and that like the things can be hurt and hurt irreparably. I think I'd have a lot harder time if, uh, if almost like if the cat was gravely injured or something, it might be even harder to explain in a way. I, well, I don't know if I get too much into like what happens after the fact. Right. Yeah. It's that time he's three, so he's like at that prime age of wondering. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. Real quick, in The Kids Are Creepy All Right. Mm. The final segment. Any uh, tales lately of our children being creepy? Besides like a new obsession with ghosts and monsters and stuff. And kind of like the imagination sparking in Wu. Nothing that like comes to mind, but like he's starting to get very interested in them in a way, like fascinated with them in a way that is really interesting. We're looking at a Where's Waldo book and there's a page that's like a castle with vampires and ghosts and stuff like that in it. And so he's asking, you know, like, what are these things? And that is a challenging thing to like, talk about i haven't talked i said like vampires are people that can turn into bats i didn't get into like that they're the undead <laughs> and they drink blood <laughs> we didn't talk about that good thing or how sexy me. the new orleans varieties are <laughs> <laughs> all right so we want to hear from you um if you have children and they are creepy we want to hear your stories about what they have done or said um you can write to us at Mummy X Diddy, that's D E A D D Y at gmail.com. Um, and you can also find us at that same handle on Twitter or on Instagram at Mummy X Diddy Pod, uh, where we will be um, posting some photos of the car seat, I hope, from this yeah, movie. We'll <laughs> keep some, some content flowing over there. And please, if you like what you heard, Please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. 
It helps uh, other people find the podcast. And uh, yeah, please, please do that. We'd appreciate it. And if you even have suggestions for movies you want to hear or topics you want covered, hit us up on at that email or those socials. Thanks for joining us. Bye. See you next time, mummies and daddies.